0: Bruce Buffer. And now it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's I. Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer from the shores of Malibu, where the waves are pumping to the Great Wall of China and back to the streets of Newark, New Jersey, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on It's Time. Politics, film, TV, sex, drugs, rock and roll. You name it, we talk about it. That's why we call it No Holes Barred Radio, and I'm here with my No Holes guest host. T.J. DeSantis. We have no guests this week, which is okay because we've had incredible guests the weeks previous, but I need to spend some time talking about what makes the world tick in the week that was with T.J. DeSantis. How's T.J.? How are you? I'm good, Buff. How are you? Really good, really good. I Shows every week. Energy's top. Went to the gym, trained two hours, solid today, feel like a new man, and getting ready to get back on the road again to Newark, New Jersey, home of the Sopranos and home of a lot of the fights at the UFC. We've got the fights happening there this weekend. Uh, do you have any invicted this week or next week? I think you have invicted. do you yeah, not? Yeah,
1: but I also have a show this week, uh, Friday night, on UFC Fight Pass. You can check out Island Fights 58, uh, one of the premier uh, regional promotions, we'll call it. A lot of the uh, best up-and-coming talent that end up in the UFC are fighting on this promotion. So uh, worth your time. If you're bored on Friday night, want some fight action in your life before the UFC the next day, uh, Fight Pass is your home.
0: So what UFC fighters are in that event?
1: Um, some UFC fighters that have uh, gone on to the UFC from uh, island fights. Most recently, uh, Mike Beast Boy Davis. He fought uh, on sort of short notice uh, in the UFC. Uh, Hannah Goldie, who's actually on the uh, fight card coming up this weekend. Um, in, in Newark, she's fought, uh, for Island fights as well. So yeah, definitely, uh, solid stuff, uh, fighters that you may not be aware of now, but definitely will be in in the future. Might as well get on that, uh, that bandwagon
0: early. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, when I, when I hear you talk like this, I think about the 23 plus years I've been involved in this business of mixed martial arts, that she's only been around for two years longer than I've been involved. And, you know, remembering when the new promotions came on the scene and they disappeared and they, you know, lagged or they made it, you know, the, the old WEC, the old strike force. But when you see the the events happening, like you're talking about Invicta, other events that are feeding grounds for the UFC as well as other MMA organizations, it makes me so happy because there's so many, whether they're making the money that they should make which is always a, a wish and a dream that i have for every fighter but the bottom line is that there's areas for them to fight to get better to make it into their dream which for most every fighter if not all fighters is definitely the ufc octagon yeah and you, you need
1: opportunities to get there and one thing that i think in the past that was an issue for a lot of these regional promoters is they weren't working hand in hand with the ufc and uh, mm-hmm. island fights i mean it's on ufc fight pass Invicta's is on ufc fight pass it's uh Got support in uh, the infrastructure to, you know, not only help fighters uh, progress and and move on, but also to sustain as a company. And uh, you know that's where MMA is at this at this time in 2019.
0: Exactly. And before, what the UFC used to do is buy them out. Now they work with them. So I love it. I think it's really good. Really good. Now coming up. Next week is Newark, but we just came out of Edmonton, Canada. Uh, the Canadian fans, got to thank them all again, as always. They're just the r- most rabid, some of the most rabid, excuse me. There are many others that are you know, up there with them, but there's some of the most rabid fans out there. And 10,000 sounds like 30, 15 sounds like 45, and 5 sounds like 15, whatever the case might be. But they brought the energy. The show was exciting. The main card, you know, starting off all the way through to Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway's uh, five-round technical brawl. Uh Chris Cyborg, here's the one I want to talk about. Oh, let me let me back up a second. Jeff Neal and Nico Price in their fight slammed heads and at one point almost knocked each other out. Did you happen to watch the show this weekend?
1: Oh yeah. I was doing post fight uh, over on between rounds. So uh, I was glued in front of the television solid night. And Canadians just must have like a bigger lung capacity. Like you said, they're louder. I don't know what it is. It is loud.
0: There, you know, I'll say it again. I've never met a rude Canadian. I've definitely met a lot of inebriated ones. And I mean that with all the you know the kindness that I'm putting forth. They're, it's just they're, they're so happy. They're so cool. Everybody's so nice. It's like you're, you're hard-fetched to find attitude from male or female. And when they're there enjoying what they're fans of, such as the UFC, because um, they're huge sports fans in Canada, uh, they're just so courteous and so nice and so energetic. They, they take that night as one of their special nights. And it shows, as you can see, how they act. So definitely a pleasure to... Uh, to perform for them. Getting back to Jeff Neal and Nico price. When I got into the octagon, Jeff Neal, I was talking to him and he said, I said, boy, that headbutt was hard. He goes, was that what it was? Huh. All I know is I went down. I don't even know what hit me. <laughs> yeah. He had, it's, had it's no idea. I got headbutted. Yeah. It, it I mean,
1: uh, the adrenaline, no matter how long you fight, you know, a lot of these guys have you know, 30, 40 fights, no matter how long you fight, you still have this separation from yourself in a way uh when you compete and it's so interesting and unique from fighter to fighter to see who remembers what and how they perceive it to be and, and how it truly is and it never ceases to amaze me when fighters uh really have no idea what happened over the course of you know however long their fight was
0: yeah which is interesting and worrisome at the same time for uh, obvious reasons I,
1: I don't think it's worrisome because he, here's the thing even if it's not necessarily getting hit it's they don't remember certain sequences. Do you know what I mean? It's, right. it's that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that adrenaline takes over and they're they're a different person. And and I think in fighting especially, you need to not dwell on things. So when something happens that maybe affects you, it's really good to get it out of your mind.
0: Right. Absolutely I mean, agree. If
1: if, it, if it's like Rich Franklin who doesn't remember entering the fifth round against Evan Tanner and thought it was the third round because he got knocked out, essentially, yeah. That's a little bit scary, but uh, not every time is it is it all that
0: worrisome. Agreed. You know what also is a little bit scary? Huh. Uh another boxer died last weekend. Yeah, I know. La- last show we reported uh the boxer that died that weekend, Argentine boxer Hugo Santillan uh has died from injury sustained during a title fight just days after the death of the Russian fighter Maxim Dadashev, Uh Hugo was 23 years old. He collapsed in the ring shortly after his WBC um, lightweight battle with Eduardo Javier Abru in Argentina. It ended in a draw. He was taken to the hospital. He underwent surgery, but he died on Thursday. It's a horrible shame. We talked about it last week, and again, without going into it again, all I can say is sincere, sincere wishes, best wishes and condolences to his family and loved ones. Tragic. It's a tough sport. All fighting sports are tough but we've been shown how tough and how dangerous it can be just in the last two weeks twice, and I hope we don't see this again for a long time. And, that's really all I can say.
1: And that's why no matter who your favorite fighters are and who you cheer for, you have to respect everyone because they, they lay it out on the line every single time they step between those ropes or step inside that cage. And, uh, I mean, you know, I, I appreciate what they do uh, in terms of athletic uh, accomplishment and achievement, but just the the risk, you know, it's, it's, it's there. Even if we... You don't know, think that, oh, it's it's safe, it's regulated. Yes, that's all true, but it's it's still fight sport at the end of the day, and anything can happen.
0: You get off your bike, you fall down. You get out of your car, you fall down. You get in a fight, you fall down. In all three instances, your head hits the curb. The worst can happen. Everything has a, a, uh, a result, and it's not always the best. But when you're in sports, you know that's going in. It's the chance you take, and the as the saying goes, they literally put their blood, sweat, and tears and life on the on the canvas floor, where they're entering a squared circle, squared ring, or an octagon. So needs to. And really, all I can you know, this it has not changed. This has been the way from the beginning when fighting for sports. Just the improvement, the quality of the referees, the medical care at, at events has to be top, top, top notch as it is in the UFC to avoid, God forbid, these situations take place.
1: Man, the internet's killing you right now. I don't know what's going on. Skype is not our friend.
0: Why would it? Oh, I didn't come through. Was that all garbled? Are we no, okay? No,
1: no. I mean, I got, the, I got the gist of what you were saying. Just letting you know. Okay. Just
0: letting you know. Gotcha. All right. Well, I'll be a little more sure, sh- which is hard for me at times, but I'll do my best. Um, Chris Cyborg, Felicia Spencer. Felicia Spencer put up a heck of a fight. Um, better than most people thought would happen. Exciting fight. Nailing Chris Cyborg with the elbow in the first round. Cutting her. You never know how Cyborg was going to react. Even her trainer and I was talking to her was you know questioned that too. When he got back to his chair, she reacted properly. She wound up winning the fight. Now Chris Cyborg and and kudos to Felicia Spencer for her battle with Chris Cyborg. I give her total credit for her job well done, even though she was on the losing end. Hey, real quick on, Very on the Felicia strong.
1: Spencer tip because I know you're going to talk about Cyborg and and she definitely deserves the uh, the the praise mm-hmm. and whatnot. But Felicia Spencer, uh, another former invicta champion. Uh, I gotta say, Bruce, I I didn't think that she would do as well as she did. I knew that she would be tough, and I knew that she would stand in front of Cyborg. But uh, honestly, how many times have we seen athletes wilt when not even they get hit by Cyborg, just when the the strikes start flying their way and they go, "Oh, this is this is something I've never had to deal with." Felicia Spencer was not only game to uh, take what Cyborg had for her, but to give back in a, a very big way. And Joe Rogan in the commentary—I don't know if you were able to hear this at all but in the middle of the second round he's like we got three more rounds after this and he's like oh no it's not a title fight i did the same thing on this show a couple weeks ago thinking it was a title fight because i mean how often have we talked about chris cyborg fighting in you know five five minute rounds in, in mma and now that she's no longer the champion but felicia spencer while it wasn't her night i mean the moral victory is just as big as if she pulled off the upset and i'm excited to see felicia in the ufc and uh, she is someone who, for me, gives a lot of hope for this 145-pound division that needs to continue to develop and, and be uh, groomed and, and fostered uh, the development. And, and I feel Felicia Spencer is uh, somewhat of the light at the end of that tunnel and hopefully can uh, inspire a lot of ladies that are around you know, 145 pounds or on the higher end of 135 to maybe consider making that move to featherweight because uh, – Slowly but surely, that talent's going to be there, and if that talent resembles what Felicia Spencer uh, turned in on Saturday night, this division's going to be great.
0: Yeah, I agree, and it will be great, you know, based on everything that you said. One thing that I suggest for Felicia Spencer, no offense to whoever her striking coach is, bring in a top-notch. If not, you already have one. Concentrate, because she has it. She's got a base for striking, but she's not a great striker yet or a, but she's you know, a, she's a above. Brazilian jiu-jitsu
1: black belt buff. Uh, her right. Game which is, is very hard much on the ground. Her, her striking, she does have a black belt, uh, in Taekwondo, but traditional martial arts, uh, generally, unless you're Wonderboy Thompson, someone like that, uh, not something you really lean on in, uh, mixed martial arts. But I mean, again, we have to keep this in mind for Felicia Spencer. That was her eighth professional fight on Saturday night. Right. When, right. when you're fighting for the eighth time, more often than not in the modern landscape of MMA, you're not fighting in the UFC, and beyond that, you're not fighting one of the all-time greats in uh, in, in Chris Cyborg. I, I I completely agree with you. She needs to sort of reapproach uh, mm-hmm. her uh, direction when it comes to striking. But man, uh, to, to no, go, no, she's yeah,
0: she's awesome. But the the reason I say that is because she is awesome. She is an amazing grappler. You know, she was able to test that not to a hundred percent point to a very large point with uh, Chris Cyborg, and. What I, th- what I see is is that she has the basis for striking. She definitely is not scared to get hit. She's definitely willing to go forward. So with just a little more training and perfecting that striking, which is hard for somebody that started as a grappler to become a striker. It's much easier for a striker, in my opinion, to become a grappler. But I think that she has the ability, from what I could see, and if she gets that down, which I think from this she's going to learn, she needs to concentrate on that a little bit more for her next fight, she's going to be even more devastating, and she's going to be uh, uh, somebody to really be reckoned with. There's no question, and she already is. So kudos to her for an excellent performance. Chris Cyborg now is going on to free agency. This free agency could be huge for her. He either signs with the UFC and gets everything together there. I'm sure people are going to be tossing a lot of money at her. And my guesstimate is that some people in the boxing world might try to get her to step over to boxing because um, you know, uh, for all obvious reasons. What it, The future has yet to be stated what holds for Chris Cyborg. I hope she stays with the UFC. Um, she's she's a wonderful person. I she's great she to talk will. to. I, mean, I hope she does.
1: To me, I hate to say this, but uh, the, the only logical fight that makes sense for Cyborg is a rematch with Amanda Nunes. For, for yeah. my money, I mean, you, you can say that Amanda Nunes is, is the greatest uh, women's mixed martial artist of all time. I'm not going to argue with that too much. She's definitely the best uh, 145-pounder on the planet, but... Chris Cyborg went the better part of 13 years, Bruce, without losing a fight, right. and right. and what she did at 145. I mean, without Chris Cyborg, Amanda Nunes is not the 145 pound champion because that division never makes it to the UFC. It just doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I, not that we have unsettled business because Nunes finished Cyborg in such dramatic fashion. But I feel like if she really wants to say, look, I'm not only the greatest woman to ever put on the gloves, I'm the best at 135. To me, she still has to reaffirm that victory over Cyborg to say that she's truly the best ever to put on the gloves at 145 pounds. And for my money, take it. That's what I want to see. That's the next fight for Cyborg.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see that too. And I'm sure she would too. And hopefully the money's huge for both involved and agreed. But there was this talk. I've I've heard scuttlebutt over the last couple of days that somebody in Cybers' camp was asking for easy fights and all. I mean, Felicia Spencer is not an easy fight. Amanda Nunes rematch is not an easy fight. So I'm going to let that comment fall on deaf ears. I don't
1: I don't know if there are easy fights anymore. For yeah, Cyber. exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, w- when the division is getting better, I mean, there's there's not a lot of talent. 145. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I don't believe that there's really a, a, a quote unquote easy fight for her, and and that's a testament to. Not only the UFC, but but her contemporaries, her peers. I mean, if she wants an easy fight, I, I guess maybe you do go to boxing. Maybe you do go beat up somebody that uh, doesn't have any business being in, in the ring with you. But if I know Cyborg the way that I do, I've talked to this woman on multiple occasions. I've, I've called multiple fights of hers. Even if someone in her camp is saying, oh, we want easy fights or we want better paydays or whatever. At the end of the day, Chris Cyborg is a competitor. And for a very long time, a lot of people didn't believe that she was truly being tested There are tests out there for her, and um, I don't know. I have a hard time believing that she doesn't want to test herself against the world's best.
0: I believe she wants to test herself. I've known Chris uh, since when I first met her many years ago before she was ever in the UFC um, competing in the ADCC Submission Wrestling Championships. Always liked Chris, but what I see in Chris is she's got a very bright future. She has a persona, an image, and a cyborg brand that can be built very strongly in three sports. It is being built in mixed martial arts. It could be built huge in boxing, managed correctly. It also could be a big WWE entry too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. let's face it. I, I, that's I not her. you're a big, that's you're not a big, her you're, No, I know it's not her. I know it's not her.
1: And don't you dare I, say I'm a big wrestling fan because I'm not. I watched when I was a kid.
0: No, was You used to be. I was about to add that I you know. used to be. I mean, when you I was wonder-
1: 15, that's the last time
0: I watched. Yeah, race. but I. Yeah, but with your knowledge of sports mm. and 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 you you. you you're smart enough to understand how it is stay whether you're watching it every day, every day or not. I don't know if she would transform no. into re- wrestling very well, but I can see people in wrestling going, "Wow, that could be interesting." You know, here's the that's problem. what I'm that's what I'm saying. That's Here, what I'm saying. Here's
1: the problem. And I think you know this better than anybody. You were around Michael when he was working with the WCW. You know, one of the bad boys of MMA made his you know turn into pro wrestling, and, and that was Tank Abbott. And Tank, while his persona and personality worked well with professional wrestling. He wasn't able to just not beat the shit out of people in the ring.
0: You know what I mean? It was horrible. He was horrible. He did not transfer correctly. You know that I was involved in getting him in the WWE. If it wasn't for me, he may not have had that initial introduction. Right. And I I say that with total confidence. But, you know, he went on to make the deal himself. I stepped out after a while. And I thought he was going to do great. But, no, he did not transfer well to to
1: WWE. And I feel like Cyborg, her personality wouldn't be uh, really on point with pro wrestling fans. I mean… Uh, don't get me wrong. I think she's a fantastic person and is intriguing and is very interesting, but she's not the same sort of personality that say, you know, Ronda Rousey, uh, is yeah. and, and, and was, and also too, when it comes to actually competing and, and putting on a show, a performance, if you will, in, inside pro wrestling, I, I just don't think that cyborg has the skill and ability not to hurt people. And, and that's really what pro wrestling at the highest level is all about. It's about, you know, putting on moves and not hurting your opponents, uh, mm-hmm what you're going to ask cyborg to do is to take the violence out of her calculated approach of violence. And she's a violent, vicious fighter. And, and I don't think that she can be a performer without essentially, like I said, beating the shit out of people,
0: which is uh, a lot of, which is a lot of reason why that when performers and excuse me, fighters, like she, both male and female, transform over to film, They sometimes their fight scenes don't look good. It's all about the you know choreography. It's a whole different world. You explain it properly. It's not the hurt game. It's the entertainment game. And you can still get hurt doing the entertainment game. But we'll see what happens to her in the future. Going on to Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar. Frankie Yeager, one of my favorite UFC fighters, mixed martial artists of all time, great guy. I can't say enough about Frankie and his family. Goes in valiantly and just for five rounds does everything he can to beat Max Holloway undersized, reaches less, out, 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 excuse me, let me rephrase that. I guess a taller, longer opponent who is probably now considered, if you would agree with me, one of the greatest featherweight fighters of all time, Max Holloway. Um, five rounds, a war, tried to get under the punches, wound up losing unanimously on all cards. Uh, but, you know, again, Frankie Egger, I can't say enough about Frankie Edgar. Yeah, I feel and I can't say enough about Max Holloway.
1: I, I mean... I feel like we need to pay extra special attention to Frankie Edgar because, like you said, Max clearly is uh, the, the best featherweight on the planet right now. For my money, probably number 2 all-time, still a little bit behind Jose Aldo, and I understand you can say, oh, well, he beat Jose Aldo. Yes, that, that's true, but when you look at the prime run of Jose Aldo, uh, I don't think Max Holloway has had the success with that uh talent level of a division yet i think the division is not what it once was a a few years ago and largely for a couple of reasons one is max holloway he just he beats Mm -hmm. people um but when you look at frankie edgar uh i feel like we're beating the hyperbole drum when we say future ufc hall of famer from time to time but uh, frankie edgar truly is that And when you look at his run i mean what there are people talking about i think joe asked him in the octagon saturday night bruce of whether or not he would consider moving down to to Bantamweight. We're talking about this uh, Hall of Fame run, and really all of his accomplishments were at 155 pounds. And if if you can make 135, largely in in mixed martial arts, the history books have said, well, you have no business fighting 20 pounds above that weight. You're not going to have the success that that you would at a lower weight. Frankie Edgar is one of the greatest lightweights of all time and and truly one of the greatest mixed martial artists uh, of all time. When you look at his record and who he's come up short against they're really the division's best or, or greatest of all time i mean uh, maybe not a lot of people remember how great benson henderson was but he fought benson henderson twice he lost both of them arguably won both of those fights uh you know lost to jose aldo a couple of times uh he 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 came up short to, to brian ortega and ortega was on this fantastic run but he, he's beat guys like yair rodriguez jeremy stevens cub swanson uriah faber Let's not forget his his fight with BJ Penn. Like Frankie Edgar, if you take away his losses, and his losses, again, were to the cream of the crop, this guy is a, a Hall of Famer regardless. I actually think he's one of the few people, Bruce, where if you consider his defeats, it actually strengthens his case for getting into the UFC Hall of Fame because he only lost to the cream of the crop.
0: No question. Fully agreed. Can't wait to see him uh, nominated and inducted into the Hall of Fame. But also can't wait to see him back in the octagon because as long as he's healthy, happy to be the warrior that he is, long time standing, long time standing.
1: Well, um, just the wars too. You remember his fights with Gray Maynard?
0: Like oh, the guy Gray, has the guy. The guy so many memorable fights. It's ridiculous.
1: Frankie, I, I mean, he, in his first fight with Gray Maynard, if you guys have uh, Fight Pass, go check out the the two fights with with Gray Maynard. Uh, the two title fights. The, the first one was a a split draw. The second one, I thought Frankie Edgar had dropped around 10-7 because he had been hurt so badly and he comes back to, to finish the fight in the fourth round. Like Frankie Edgar is a stuff of legend. You know what I mean? He's he's just one of the, the, the greats.
0: No question. On that note, let's keep him great. Can't wait to see him again. Max Holloway, can't say enough. It's adorable. His son is so adorable when he's by the octagon, when he's in the octagon. It's just, I, I love the fact that they're playing up his son and that beautiful relationship he has with him. It's It, it just... It's it's just so cool. I'm Let's not gonna go lie, on to Bruce,
1: just real quick on the Holloway tip. Uh, about a year ago, you and I were, you know, getting ready for his fight with Brian Ortega, and it, it fell through. And and there were a lot of concerns about concussions and and mm-hmm. where Max was at, and and you know what his his health was like, and you know, depression I depression issues, right? I, yeah. I I picked him to come up short to Brian Ortega in their meeting, and I felt pretty good about that pick during that fight, and then in the fourth round max just said to his corners like okay i'm gonna go out there and finish it now and and he did mm-hmm. and i was a little worried about this fight with frankie because frankie is so good but also holloway coming off that loss to dustin poirier where i mean he got beat up in that fight you know he, mm-hmm. he, he took his lumps and we were already a little bit quote-unquote worried about his ability to to battle through wars and what his head was going to be like and yeah uh max holloway uh again, for my money, not the greatest of all time at 145 pounds, but he's just one or two more title defenses away from claiming that throne. And, and we're very blessed. I think, uh, you know, 20 years from now, when you go back and look at the, the fight finder and look at the records and see that Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar went to war, it's going to be like, oh man, I need to go back and and look at that fight. It's not an all time classic per se, but two of the most credentialed and accomplished fighters squaring off for a UFC title fight in 2019. it, it yeah. doesn't get much better than that.
0: I was just thinking about 20 years from now when I'm 82. I won't. I don't think I'll be announcing, but I'll definitely be watching. So I'll, well, I'll I, check it out. Well, Send me a reminder. I mean, they'll, <laughs>
1: they'll be paying you with a licensing deal for the hologram and all that stuff. I mean, you'll still be in there. You won't be in there physically, but you'll be collecting a paycheck for saying it's time. I promise you that.
0: Did you see my business plan or something? How did you know that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I,
1: mean, I brought that up here on the show before. So, yeah, I, know, uh, I know. Your I know, business know. plan may be... Uh, <laughs> Uh, owing me some royalties for some ideas, Buff. That's all I'm saying.
0: Always, always open to discussion. No problem. Okay, coming up on Saturday. Thank you for that. Coming up on Saturday, uh, we've got UFC Fight Night. It's uh, Robbie Lawler. Finally, Kobe Covington is getting back in the ring. Lots of talk, lots oh, of smack, man. lots of everything. Now it's time to show and shine. Looking at uh, Robbie Lawler.
1: On- buff he's about a plus 185 underdog and people are jumping
0: all over how that. can you not jump That's on I'm that saying. i'm not gonna bet it but how can you not jump there's certain people you don't bet against robbie and Bobby lawler yeah, he's yeah. one of them it's as yeah. simple as that and then you've got jim miller and clay guida fighting for the 45th time this year right, um right. <laughs> God, which is great you know what it's, it's so great crazy about
1: <laughs> it. we talk about all-time greats and i, I don't know if people are going to be arguing that jim miller uh, should be a UFC Hall of Famer. But when you think about the fights that he's been in, in, in that division, I mean, one of the toughest divisions, if not the toughest division in mixed martial arts historically, to, to hang out and, and fight for that long inside the octagon like Jim Miller has, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, it's 2019, and I understand that he's probably not a, a factor per se uh, in the title picture, but I will pay money every day of the week to, to watch uh, Jim Miller compete. And on the Saturday, you don't have to, it's free.
0: Jim Miller is, I said this of other fighters too, and including clay. They're like the Ernie Shavers of MMA. Ernie Shavers was a heavyweight boxer. Everybody had to go through. They claim getting hit by Ernie Shavers was the hardest hit any of them ever took. He was purportedly one of the hardest hitting heavyweights ever in the history. Uh, to my knowledge, never became a champion, but everybody had to fight Ernie Shavers and everybody in the lightweight bout seems to have fought Jim Miller or Clay Guida. You know, it's pretty much the way it is.
1: You know, Clay Guida is the prime example of someone that I bring up all the time. And Clay really never had an opportunity to become a UFC champion. He never, you know, captured that much needed victory to get in the title picture. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that Clay Guida wasn't great. Uh, Clay Guida is the example of a guy that can, you know, make a career for himself, Uh, put money in the bank have a good uh, you know adventure and and, nest egg if he uh, was wise with his money which I'm sure he was he's he's kind of a no frills uh, type of dude Uh, Clay Guida is why mixed martial arts is great because for me you don't need to be a world champion to be one of the greatest of all time and Clay Guida is that guy man always down for a fight ready to come and uh, you know, put on a, a show, whether it's Saturday night, Friday night, Wednesday afternoon, this mm-hmm. guy will fight no matter what. And, uh, I remember getting a lot of flack for saying, look, Clay Gweed is probably never going to be UFC champion. And people thought that was me disrespecting Clay and it's not no. disrespecting Clay. Like, no. If you can be on roster for over a decade, that's a win, man. Sure. You don't have the belt to put on your mantle, but, uh, you got money in the bank, you got stories for days and, uh, Let's not forget, Clay Guida was also accomplished before coming to the UFC, former Strikeforce champion. Uh, Clay Guida is the real deal. And uh, 2019, Clay Guida versus Jim Miller, Saturday afternoon, live on ESPN. Uh, that That is a no-lose situation. That, that's That's an awesome day.
0: Those two fights, along with all the other fights that are on the card, a lot of up and comers, a lot of people, going to be great to watch them proving themselves in the ultimate proving ground for champions, which is the UFC octagon. In Ooh, my I haven't opinion. heard that one in a
1: while, the ultimate oh. proving
0: ground. Yeah. That was, I coined that years and years and years ago. I'll probably use it again. But it is. It's true. But you can also say that about Jim Miller, everything that you pointed to Clay for. And one thing I like about Clay, as well as Jim, these gentlemen are role models inside and out of the octagon. They handle themselves with class. They're fun. They're fan-friendly. Clay comes from a great family. Love his mom, Mama Guida, I call her. Um, Reminds me of my family and the way they treat each other and all. I have a lot of respect for that reason and many other reasons to Clay Guida, as I do for Jim Miller and his family. And let's not forget that uh, Clay Guida, when he first ever put on gloves, if you can call it that, and stepped into a pugilistic arena, he was at a tough man contest when a guy backed out and they needed a fighter that night, and he stepped up to bat. And that was the beginning of his career. Yeah. Aside from having one of the most dangerous jobs in the world, as we know as a, a deep-sea uh, crab fisherman, you know, which they make TV shows about, Clay Guida's got a very interesting backstory. I really, really love that kid. He's he, uh, his whole family.
1: He's the blue-collar working man. And there you go. His, That's it. his style's been very much that. Uh, inside the octagon have i ever told you the story about the night where i almost made clay guida's entire family want to kill me
0: no what'd you do it's a great
1: story uh omaha nebraska uh, probably around 2009 2008 um when i worked for sure dog there was a time where uh dana did not necessarily get along with my employer and we were not given credentials uh, for whatever reason and uh i still had to get interviews it was still my job to go and, and hunt down fighters and and do video interviews and uh Clay is uh an old friend. I saw Clay fight uh and win with a headlock of all things, Bruce, in a barn somewhere in rural Minnesota. Just went with a yeah. headlock. Uh, he he was side mounted, but he put this dude in a headlock and uh, clearly maybe that guy wasn't as skilled as Clay, uh, but but he tapped because of that squeeze. And uh interviewing Clay in his hotel room and uh you, you know, we were doing it on like little phone cameras. It wasn't very uh great quality because we had to run around and and you know be mobile. And uh, without thinking, I just shut off the television to interview Clay and didn't realize that his entire family was in his hotel room uh, watching the Chicago Cubs game. And shutting off the Cubs without asking is basically like saying, hey, Clay, can I have your your show and win money for the night? Can I have all of your money? Uh, They erupted in like, hey, what are you doing? And uh, they made me turn it back on. And at least uh, we agreed that they would mute the game while I interviewed Clay. But. Don't shut off the Cubs game on the Guidas
0: there. (laughs) Gotcha. Loyal fans. Love it. Um, okay. The UFC talk. Let's go on to some sports talk. Esports. Let's go on to another sport. Esports is a new category. Have you invested yet buff? Like I've hmm. invest, I've invested my time and voice where I've been paid to appear for esports tournaments, which has blown me away. When I did it, we talked about them on the show and we mentioned that Fortnite. um, has don't not donated rather put out a hundred million dollars this year for tournament winnings. Well, they just wrapped up Fortnite just wrapped up its first ever massive sporting event in New York's Arthur Ashe Tennis Stadium. Right, show you how big it is. Right, pros were in, famous streamers were in, uh, rappers, you name it. A lot of people are getting into esports. Sports stars, you name it. A sixteen-year-old named Kyle Buga Gearsdorf made a name for himself. He dominated the first round, and in the end, at sixteen. He took home $3 million as grand prize, the largest ever payoff for a single player in an eSports tournament. This is now – I mean, look at this. We're talking about UFC fighters putting – and other MMA fighters putting their lives on the line for a fraction of what the eSports at 16 uh, tournament winner won. I'm not comparing the two. I'm just saying, look at this money, a 16-year-old. The second place was a 24-year-old named Harrison Psalm Chang. He's a former professional Heroes of the Storm player, another team. They have teams, right? He won $1.8 million and took uh, – and then another one, Shane Cotton, took third. He's 16. He took one, home $1.2 million. And then Nate Coe, right, he's from Parkland, Florida, won $1.05 million. It, oh, Wow. Man. It's insane, Wow, Bruce.
1: What do you say? Yeah. Uh, I mean, when Henry and Rupert come over to the house next time and they're playing video games, it's, it's hard to tell them not to. You know what I mean? I remember getting yelled at all the time from my my family. Hey, stop playing video games. Do something productive. Well, could have been a millionaire, guys. Thanks for ruining my hopes and dreams.
0: Well, now, you know, you got to ask yourself, if a kid wants to be a professional, he's literally going to be eight hours a day, face into the screen, training, going into the tournaments. Hey. As, a, as a father of a son. Yeah. If your son came to you at 13 and said, Dad, this is what I want to be. Because I know Rupert thinks about it. Henry it, Henry loves playing, but he's not into that mode. Right. But he says his brother probably is. What do you say, TJ? Well,
1: I mean, it's the same way as if they wanted to play baseball for a profession. You allow mm-hmm. them the opportunity to do so within reason. You don't let it destroy the rest of their lives. Uh, if, if my son wanted to play Fortnite professionally, sure, he can play Fortnite. That doesn't mean you don't get to do your homework. That doesn't mean you don't uh, do anything else. Same thing if he wanted to come home and say, look, I want to be a shortstop. Sure, we're going to go hit some ground balls we're gonna play we're gonna work on form and technique but that's just one part of your life and uh i'm a firm believer that the odds of being a fantastic uh, video gamer are the same as being the odds of being a fantastic baseball player it's it's a long Mm -hmm. shot and you work towards it and you put in hard work but uh, it doesn't mean it consumes you to the point where you don't live your life and you know kids are growing up and being forced to grow up so much quicker these days bruce where uh, you know, I, I want kids. I want my son especially to to be a kid as long as he can. Before the rigors of life will eventually uh, kind of show how maybe sometimes the world isn't as great and as uh, pleasant as you would like it to be. Let's, let's face it. At, at some point, we all lose the innocence of being a child, and mm-hmm. the the world jades us a certain way. It doesn't need to destroy us. We don't need to become jaded per se. But I want my son to enjoy his youth as long as he can. And probably to play video games at the highest level, it's like anything else at the highest level. And uh, I just want to make sure that he has has fun in doing whatever he does, and doesn't neglect other opportunities or or things that he needs to experience as a kid.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And also, too, if I'm not incorrect, they're giving away college scholarships now they based are. on I mean, esports.
1: Yeah, it's a real it's a real sport. Like, kind of, I I feel like the the term esports kind of takes away from what it is. It's kind of like how some people looked at at ultimate fighting or human cockfighting or things like that. Uh, It it wasn't, uh, you know, the the respect didn't come with mixed martial arts the way that it did with other uh, forms of pugilism. And I I feel like esports is kind of that way. Maybe it's not the same sort of thing. Maybe you're not uh, a ripped athlete per se, but I'm sure that the amount of dedication and time and effort that it takes to become one of the world's best, like, look, you, you don't just, you know, become great at anything without a no, train it. yeah and uh I, I don't think that we should look down upon it per se it, it does seem weird right it does seem a little bit weird that you can go sit in your room with a keyboard and, and make millions of dollars but
0: uh you can the, sit in you uh, can sit in your i'm sorry stephanie you can sit in a room with a keyboard and write a new uh program right. for a computer and make millions of dollars it's
1: the same thing bruce and i, yeah. I was just going to say that you have never uh got on anybody for you know making the most of their life and making an honest dollar and uh you know sure maybe maybe video game kids have had the uh the labels of of nerds or geeks but like you said there's there's not much difference in you know being the the best at playing a game as there is creating a game and uh let me
0: yeah you're you're right. Let me go back to something I've said on the show continuously. Find out what you're passionate about in life and try to monetize it. Then you're not working, you're creating a lifestyle. If that's your passion, you can monetize it. Who's to say no? Especially parents when that kid brought home a check for three million dollars. You know? Granted, that's not gonna happen to everybody. It's like Herbalife walking somebody across the stage and saying they made $3 million that month. Well, not everybody's going to make that. Maybe right. the top 10% of 1%. But you know what? Dreams keep people moving. There's plenty of ways to make money in the video game industry, whether you're a competitor right. or you're a developer. Not, developer not, I mean, so. not
1: not everyone's going to be Conor McGregor, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, try in certain ways that Conor McGregor shines in and avoid the ones where he doesn't shine. Uh, in. <laughs> I knew
1: I was going to get you to go down that
0: route, but yeah, yes, it's true. Well, yeah. Pick and choose correctly. Um, All respect to Connor. Um, Okay. Now, we talk about this on the show. Social media is great. It's created a lot of relevancy for a lot of people. It's also created a lot of pain. There's people out there on social media that are celebrities. They're being targeted for burglaries. There's a Houston burglary gang that just has been uh, located, investigated, located, and arrested uh, their take, including artwork, is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. They've been keying through social media, celebrities, finding out when they're out, whether they're sports stars or otherwise, and then getting to their houses. And if they advertise some of their collectible items online, it all the more reason makes them even a higher target, something you got to be careful about. All the reason to have proper security systems and everything in place when you travel like I do. I mean, trust me, my house, when I'm not here, there's somebody here. That's all I can tell you. Oh, yeah. And Last house you ever want to think about getting into. But well, with that being said, people are getting ripped off and it's come out now. Social media is a way for thieves to find out their targets.
1: Right. I mean, if you're a, a prominent social media figure or someone like yourself who works on television week in and week out, I mean, you're advertising where you are at any given time. And it's not hard mm-hmm. for people to to figure out where anyone lives these days. You know what I mean? No. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I hate to say it. I, I'm sure you you know you've alluded to your security measures in the past without giving away too much information you're at the higher end of you know home protection and home security it does not cost much money to have a little peace of mind and Mm -hmm. i think people i mean even the the doorbell uh system the the ring doorbell system that has cameras and stuff and gives you notifications to your phone like that seems really futuristic, and I've talked to people, Bruce, who seem to be kind of put off by it because they think it costs a lot of money. It's not something that they feel that maybe they want to spend money on or, or time setting up. And it's like, man, it, it, it is, doesn't. It's it's amazing. It does not cost nearly what it a lot of people think.
0: It doesn't cost a lot for what it gives you and the security, everything you're talking about. An absolute minimum that something should have: alarm system, of course. And you know, if you can afford it and you've got the capability of it armed guards and response and right. uh, people to uh, I mean, watch your home when you're gone. If you're in that situation, bottom line.
1: Not, I mean, not to not to give away you know promotional opportunities for for companies you know for free on the air here. But there's there's a a company out there called Simply Safe. It's like 15 bucks a month. It's 15 bucks a month to uh, you know at least have some accountability and some proof if something does happen. E- even just to have for your insurance company to uh, you know show look something actually happened here because i mean half the battle with insurance is is getting them to pay out on claims when you have a home security system in place uh not only are you probably going to get a little bit better rate on your insurance but you're going to have some recourse for if if the worst does uh happen um you're going to get compensated exactly
0: listen i used to be in the alarm security business i had a company called environmental security assistance in my 20s alarmed and um Tons of restaurants and, and retail shops all through Santa Monica, including high-end and low-end homes. Back then we would charge five, six thousand dollars for a security system. We'd have to hardwire through the house and all this kind of stuff, maybe a low of thirty five hundred. That was then, this is now. you can get a dynamite system in your house for under a thousand dollars. you know if you, if you have a small house and and pay 20 bucks a month or whatever for monitoring and even have camera abilities too it's worth it, and it's something I suggest everybody do because this is the world in which we live. And Also, um, too, that, also
1: too just think about that a thousand dollars it seems kind of steep, but d- tell me that almost everybody listening to the show doesn't own something that is worth at least a thousand dollars if not monetarily sentimentally
0: you know well, what I that mean? that plus just a loved one being home alone i mean we can go on and on and on it's all quite obvious oh but- yeah
1: bro, i mean like, like i said i'll be in florida this friday night like i'm telling the whole world look my wife and child are going to be home uh, alone not not that i'm anybody special but in this modern society you have to think that anybody can be uh, a target and uh i have peace of mind when i leave i can say that
0: i do too For many reasons beyond anything I've said on the show. So I'm looking forward to my trip. And we'll leave it at that. Okay, now an Arizona company. This is crazy, TJ. We've got a couple crazy ones here. Mm. All right. You donate the bodies of your loved ones to a company for medical research you know, after their passing. Sure. To help find cures for diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and such. Well, there's a big resource center in Arizona called the Biological Resource Center. And... Federal authorities wound up raiding this facility in January of 2014. This happened a few years ago, but it wasn't highly publicized, right? Thirty-five relatives of people whose bodies were supposed to be donated for science research were notified that when they made this raid, they had a horrific discovery. They found bodies piled atop one another, buckets full of body parts oh and other unsettling scenes. Um which basically the body parts were taken in, but they weren't used. They were stacked, including many in freezers, no tags, identifying them, buckets full of heads, arms, and legs. Um, one torso had his head removed. and A smaller head was attached in a Frankenstein manner, what? like a joke. And the torso was hung from the wall. Oh my god! So, so relatives are suing this company. Can imagine well, they're the they're desecrating duress. the
1: bodies. I they're mean,
0: desecrating the body—it's horrible. The bodies were literally used in crash test, Crash test dummies, oh, right? God. Okay. But here's another one. Bodies were also sold to the Department of Defense, according to this lawsuit, where the bodies were used as crash test dummies in experiments involving exposures to destructive forces like impact, crashes, ballistic injuries, meaning bullets, and blasts, meaning explosions. If I was the the relative of one of these people, I'd be involved in the suit, and I would be just beside myself.
1: Let me say this. I don't necessarily have a problem with the cadavers being sold to the Department of Defense for things like that. Yes, it's it's not exactly what I would want my— you know, loved ones remains being used for, but that, that you, you are sort of divorcing yourself from what they're going to use the bodies for the desecration of the bodies, though, Bruce, the, the Frankenstein type, uh, you know, stitching together and things like that. that that's uncalled for that, that. I think they have some serious grounds there. Crash test dummies, well, I would prefer that if I donated my loved one's body for cancer research or something like that, that it'd be used for that. But if I'm just blindly giving it to someone and signing paperwork that you can do what you want to, I don't think there's much recourse for that. But the desecration, that, that's just terrible. It's,
0: it's, I, I can't even comment beyond that. Yeah, it is. Let's go on to another one. This is horrible, too. You know, there's all these border issues with President Trump and the wall and what's going on down there. Um to benefit and also horrifically some of the things that are happening. It's just, it's all over the place. I don't like reading this at all. I really don't like reading this. And we'll see how this comes out. 18 U.S. Marines from Camp Pendleton and one sailor have been arrested for alleged crimes that are including human smuggling and drug-related offenses. Um, We'll see how this pans out. Uh, It's just horrible, you know, if that's the case. Any kind of thing involving human trafficking. So information has been gained from previous human smuggling investigators that precipitated the arrest. Uh, none of the Marines arrested or detained for questioning served in support of the of the border support mission going on. They're outside of that. And eight other Marines were questioned and they're involved in alleged drug offenses. Now, Camp Pendleton is down near the border, down around San Diego, uh, maybe making it more accessible for th- things to happen. But here's an example of, you know, some bad eggs. And we'll see how... It goes from there, but it's just I hate reading that. You know my respect and everything for the U.S. Marine Corps, and, and it's just like a police department. There's always a bad. You put 10, 10 soldiers, ten policemen in a room. Chances are there could be one potential bad egg. Oh yeah, that, I mean, in this case we have eighteen.
1: What is, What is shocking to me is how big of a deal human trafficking is because I mean it's 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 the equivalent of modern day slavery. I mean you you're mm-hmm. you're in the slave trade at that point and. I'm sure you notice this when you travel through certain airports. A lot of airports have um, made it uh, a point to take measures to stop human trafficking, or at least do their best as you know airports to deter it. And every time I see the signs or hear the announcements, it's like it's a bit shocking to me because you hear about it, but you, you don't tend to understand that that it's not something more. Then you just hear about this stuff is actually taking place, and what's really scary about it is it's taking place right in front of us, and and we seem to not know. And these reminders, uh, it catches me off guard sometimes, Bruce.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, it does. Just like this next story does too. You know that um, we talk about poachers, horrific. I mean, poachers should be taken and poached and right. shot. Right. My well, opinion, yeah. as soon as they're found. And there's many endangered species out there. Well, in Vietnam. Um, they're the world's largest maker of illegal rhino horn, you know, which is used to cure health problems from hangovers to cancer. Allegedly. Allegedly. I
1: mean, yeah, you're, you're, you're buying into homeopathic stuff, which I'm, I'm sure maybe somewhere there's some truth to it. The truth is always somewhere in the middle, but, uh, I mean, a lot of that stuff, it's, it's mystic stuff. You know what I mean? It's stuff that's not
0: proven. Mystic stuff that people for whether it's sexual dysfunction, or whatever the case might be, ED, whatever the case might be, or looking for that dream drug or dream dream help. Well, I just got to think in that order, getting
1: getting some Viagra is easier than killing a rhino. I don't. I don't know. Well,
0: you would think so, but these are different countries and no, different I cultures. Know, I know. Bruce, I know. So so with that being said, in order to get a rhino horn, obviously you have to kill the rhino. Okay. right. I mean, I I don't think you can cut a horn off a rhino that's alive. That's for sure. And I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make a joke. There's no way.
1: Hey, I'll make a joke. I would love to see some of these poachers try because they get what they need to get.
0: They they would well fifty five pieces of rhino horn were found hidden inside shipments of plaster at Hanoi International Airport in Vietnam. The the customs officers broke up the plaster molds from fourteen shipments and they uncovered this highly illegal horns that weigh two hundred seventy five pounds total and is worth to be uh, is said to be worth about five hundred million on the open market because a single horn can fetch one hundred thousand. Along with the rhino horns and there's a picture here which I'm absolutely disgusted looking at is seven carcasses of bengal tigers okay oh that were seized by police in hanoi not only the horns but the tigers horrible disgusting and death sentence please right away what, what's, done
1: what's crazy to me is the stuff that they are poaching and they're taking i mean these are ferocious beasts you know what i mean i would hate to uh come upon one without a, a weapon i'm not saying that i want to kill one but you don't want to stumble upon a bengal tiger and you know make it worry for its life i i it, it's weird that these are the answers to some of these problems for, you know, certain people in, in other countries. I, I don't know. It's just like like you said, Bruce, like we've talked about it time and time again. I'm a hunter. I, I, I don't really hunt anymore, but I grew up doing it. I love the tradition. I love uh, the opportunity to feed yourself in the most natural way and, and you know, killing your, your food and, you know, bypassing the whole market and commerce of, you know, what food is fundamentally in this world but you need to do it within the regulations and and uh these animals are protected for a reason and it's just i'm sorry like I, maybe this drives people or, or you know pushes people the, the the wrong way rubs them the wrong way but i'm with you bruce i think poaching an animal is not all that different than murdering a human being
0: i don't see much difference at all personally and in respect to that I so, mean, we've
1: lost so many species of animals in, in our lifetimes you know what I mean like these animals are going extinct they're protected for a reason if you you know I mean in a roundabout way there's not much of a difference between uh, genocide and extinction and I'm sorry I think you need to be punished much deeper than a lot of these people are that the deterrent is not there for some of these poachers
0: absolutely agreed um, moving on to another story With that being said, kudos to Holiday Inn, because here's something Holiday Inn's doing to end something that's a very big problem. We all know the plastic is a huge problem, whether it's in the ocean, the waste, um, it's not uh, reusable, all that kind of stuff. Well, Holiday Inn just decided to ditch all the tiny hotel soaps and plastic containers of shampoos and such in their hotel rooms for good. So... That's 843,000 rooms across the country, and instead, guests are going to find bulk-sized toiletries, which is larger containers uh, that are more that are reusable and sustainable uh, in their rooms. Now, a this is in my opinion, going to add a lot of higher cost to the Holiday Inn and what they're doing, but in their minds, it's also going to reduce a tremendous amount of trash and waste that they are contributing to the world. And kudos for them. They've made that move. I look forward to seeing other hotel chains make the same move. When I look at the containers that are going to be in the bathroom, I think a lot of people are going to be stuffing these in their bags. They're going to be a little larger, uh, a little nicer, and they probably won't be there when the May gets there the next day. That's for sure. Yeah, probably. So, so good for them. Um, we get back to the young uh, the young people, these YouTubers. You know, We were talking about the gamers and young people finding ways to make money. This is pretty amazing, TJ Boram, which is a six-year-old South Korean YouTuber, right? She posts up her YouTubes and her blogs. She has 30 million subscribers. This six-year-old girl just purchased a home in Korea, right, for eight million dollars. Wow! I mean, wow!
1: You know what I worry about? I mean, we talked about this, and, and this relates a lot to someone like John Jones. Um, it's very difficult to attain things like that. It's much more difficult and a lot more pressure to maintain things like that. And, and mm-hmm. I can't imagine being, you know, single digits, uh, amassing a wealth that allows you to buy a home that's, you know, over uh, seven figures and then trying to live the rest of your life and in, in not only, you know, being accustomed to that life, but trying to stay ahead of the game and and maintaining, I mean, I I don't know. I I guess if my son was making that kind of money, I I probably wouldn't let him buy that uh, egregious of a home. I would say, look, your life is pretty much set. You have, you know, tens of millions of dollars. If you want to buy a home, let's do that later in life when we're sure that this money is going to, keep flowing in but
0: well, you want to be the best parent you can be to help him with the situation get this though hey, tj hey
1: I, I just want him to be able to have multi millions of dollars when i can no longer take care of myself and he wants to you know hook his daddy up
0: well the other question that comes into too and we know that if you're under 18 or whatever you're not like the finances. Who's in charge of the finances? Right. How is this I mean, done? How are they dealing with it? I'd like to have more about this. this. This is an example of a guest I would love to get on the show. But let me give you another one. The highest earning YouTuber last year mm-hmm. was, was a seven-year-old named Ryan Cagey, the American star of Ryan Toys Reviews. I've heard about this kid. He reviews toys, right? People love watching. In 2018, he earned an estimated $22 million. $22 million. He's seven years old. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't now know. this is parent. His parents are obviously behind this filming sure, and doing everything. But but wow, geez, wow. There's I gotta get I gotta get there. Rupert to work. Rupert's on vacation. We're going to work. He's coming over today. Hey. We're brainstorming. That's I it. mean,
1: if you can do it, by all means. But I think there's a lot of pressure on the parents to you know. I, I feel like, uh, I mean, how often have we come upon specials on television where we see child stars where you know once they become legal adults their, their careers in hollywoods are just not not the same they fall apart it, it, like i feel like 20 years from now we're going to talk about these youtube kids who had it all before they were old enough to drive a car and you know they weren't able to maintain it and you know hopefully they don't go down the, the downward spiral but you know history tends to repeat itself i feel like this is the next incarnation of you know children's stars these youtube well,
0: the, there's two sides here i'm sorry i, I just interrupted no, you. yes yeah, sure there's two sides here The effect on the child and the effect on the parents because the parents have control of the money. How are they going to act? Right. Are they going to become the stars? You know, they're going to be the the pushing the child. You know, it's there's all these parameters. Let's just hope that the good parenting steps in. These these children uh, do well by this and become the fine individuals. Hopefully, we hope all children become as they get older. So it all comes down, and it all starts at home. And we'll see what happens. Let's talk about weekend box office. Quentin Tarantino released his film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Hollywood last week with Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, and this. Goes over a lot of the film industry and things happening in the 60s with a subplot of the Manson family and the murders that took place in that horrific way uh, back in the 60s, too, involving Sharon Tate. this is a period, an era which I was grew up in. I was living in Philadelphia at the time. I'll never forget when it happened. I'm going to reminisce and be able to really get with this movie. I can't wait to see it, but I'm going to give you an example of box office here. The film costs $90 million to make. If you remember correctly, I told you that it takes two and a half to three times the uh, receipts of the budget to break even, which means this film needs to gross $300 million In those type of terms in order to break even and start showing a profit it did 41 million out of the gate over the weekend. Okay, that is a tremendous amount of money, but I think it's below the expectations of the uh, producers and distributors of the film because usually that first note. Will go to half that much in week two, which means now you have 60 million. You're still 240 away from the overall 300 total. In the end, it will make its 300 million and more due to DVD. Well, if there's such things as DVDs, due to right, the films sales, and all the aftermarket like that, yeah. digital sales, it'll get there. But it, it's not like the Lion King that so far in the last two weeks has grossed $351 million. Okay which has probably already almost broken even to make back its money, and it's all cream and gravy from this point forward. Spider-Man cost $160 million to make and has grossed $344 million, therefore not quite reaching the budget to break even, but most definitely will break even at a key point. No problem. Then um, that's all. It's going to give you a little business sense there. But I'm very excited to see this film. Tarantino's going to make one more movie he claims after this. Um, I've always had an issue with Tarantino films. I'll tell you what it is. Hmm. I love Tarantino. I am a big, huge fan, but the first time I see his movies with the exception of Reservoir Dogs, I'll tell you my Reservoir Dogs story in a 2nd With Reservoir Dogs a long time ago. Um, I have to see it a second time and sometimes a third time. And then I think the, then I think the movie's brilliant. I'm with you. Brilliant. Yep. And I can't. And, and then every time Tarantino's like Rocky when it's on TV, I don't care what scene the movie is. I can watch a Tarantino movie no matter what scene, end or beginning, I happen to turn to, and I'll keep watching it on the show. Now, can I tell you my Reservoir Dogs story? Please. Reservoir Dogs was released back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait, eighties or nineties? Uh,
1: I, I think like 91,
0: 92, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Back then, so we're we're going back almost thirty years. Okay, right. my okay. father passed away at the age of eighty-three in 2008 so let's say i saw the movie 20 years before and he was 63 okay basically what i am now we were at the uh, the um plit theaters in century city california where people at this time like before i mentioned in the show they would line up down the block to see a movie the first time it's released okay right. whether it's yep. star wars whatever big big thing to go to a movie back then it still is today not nearly as big as back then because we didn't have home theater We're in the theater, we're watching it, we're on about a third of the way down the aisle, on the aisle seat. The scene when um, the actor, uh, pardon me, I forget his name, Is drawing a blank here, when he was dancing around the police officer to uh, to the music and cutting off his ear. Do you remember that scene? I do. Michael Madsen was the actor's name. Brutal scene, the audience is in shock. Now remember, my brother Brian's an active police officer at that time. There's a guy down in the third or fourth row on the aisle. And he is doing a total Robert De Niro, Cape Fear laughing session. Just kill the cop, do it to the cop, laughing out loud, laughing. Everybody else is like in shock at the scene. My dad says to me, give me your keychain, because I have one of these keychains with a mini Cuvatron on it. I go, I'm right. not going to give you the keychain, Dad. I, I, I know what he's going to do. Right? Yeah. He's going to go talk to him. So I said, he, I said, okay. So he gets up, he walks down. Now, I'm he, he's in the first third, so I'm a third of the way to the theater up. All I see is my dad lean over this guy, right? I can tell the story now, statute of limitations. (laughs) Right, right. So he leans over to the guy and you see the guy lift up about six to twelve inches out of his chair and then drop. Right. So my dad says something to him after that and the man didn't say another word, right? I dad sits down in his seat. I go, Dad, what did you do? He goes, I couldn't take it anymore. So I went down to the guy, I grabbed him by the lower lip and I lifted him up and I said, If you think this is funny, then keep laughing. Otherwise, I don't want to hear you laugh for the rest of the movie. And you have two choices. Because then you can either walk out or be carried out. (laughs) Wow. Typical dad. Typical dad. Yeah. Right? Could have been arrested for that. Sometimes it needs to be said, though, right? Sometimes it needs to be said. Didn't hit him. Just gave him. My dad always taught me the lower lip. He goes, the ears, lower lip, and nose. Tear those things off in a heartbeat. Right. So, you know, but it's painful. And uh, it worked. (laughs) That's all I can say. It worked. Hey. (laughs) You know, I
1: I see nothing wrong with it. Sometimes... uh, I mean, I don't condone violence, don't get me wrong, but every once in a while, either either physically or verbally, uh, sometimes you need a good uh, ass-kicking or an ass-chewing, if you will.
0: TJ, I've told you before, my dad got me involved in more fights right. and introduced me to more girls than any best friend I ever had okay. in my life. He was incredible, but... When it came to going to movies, because I went through experiences like this since I was a little kid with him. Right. I remember when I was in Philadelphia and people broke in through the exit, right? Mm-hmm. Like a gang of kids. There was like four or five of them. And they're just mow mowing and yelling at the theater, at the screen, during the whole movie. And, Dad's, and dad used to tell me to uh, always give me belts with big belt buckles. And, and I, I knew why. He told me. So he said, take your belt buckle, wrap it around your hand, dangle it down, stand behind me. And if things happen, just start swinging. <laughs> and he went over and told these guys that his famous line. You have two choices, you either walk out or be carried out. I've heard this line many, many times. Right. And keep quiet. Right? They shut the heck up, TJ. Right. They they shut the heck up. But I but I'm standing behind my dad, nervous as heck, wondering what's going to happen, but this is the kind of experiences I went through from time to time.
1: I mean, it's it's a shame that our fathers never get to hang out and you know, maybe they're enjoying a cold one up there, but uh, my dad was considerably younger than your father, but very much, uh, in line with uh, the same sort of, uh, personality.
0: Yeah. Respect. We would walk into a theater. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Cause you talk proudly about your dad a lot. And I love that. I, um, and I'll end this on this final note. It got to the point, TJ, I was always a little nervous going to the movies with my dad. What the heck is going to happen now? And we'd be, we'd walk into a theater that was empty. And there'd be a guy there with his feet dangling over the seat in front of him, which drove my dad crazy because it was disrespectful to people who would sit in that seat afterwards. It's not what movie theater seats are for. You know where he would sit, TJ? He'd walk my mom, my brother Brian, and I, and he'd literally sit in front of the guy with his feet on the chair and tell him to move his feet. Well, he's not wrong to do that. He's not wrong to do it. And this is one of the reasons I am who I am today. And I'm, I'm respectful about everybody. You know what? It, it's a hard life. He was a hard man. He was the old breed. But you know what? I wish we had thousands more like him today. That's all I can tell you.
1: You know, I, I think, uh, when, when my dad would walk into a room and, and probably the same for yours, um uh, everyone was just in a little bit more danger, but I also promise you they were all protected as well. If, if that makes any sense, you know, uh, yeah. it, it, yep. it, 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 you know, for, for people that were up to no good, uh, maybe their, they, their, you know, jeopardy level would go up a little bit, but. Uh, no one was going to be done wrong and everyone was going to have a good time as, as long as, uh, you know, no one was acting like an idiot when my dad was around.
0: Yeah. One of these days we should have a dad story day. Cause I got so many cool stories about him. It's just very, uh, very interesting, but you know what? I hope they are breaking up a can of beer or a bottle of beer or whatever they're doing and having one together because men are men and they always should be bottom line. Thank you, dad. I love you, dad. Thank you so much. I remember you and I miss you every day of my life.
1: And, uh, that's a mark of a good father buff. I mean, w- without my dad, I don't know where I would be. And, uh, I think that goes for everyone. Fathers yep. are so important and, uh, you know, uh, not everyone gets to have the luxury of growing up with a father. And, um, I, I just think almost everyone seeks out uh, a paternal type figure, uh, in their life. And, you know, hopefully everyone has a, a good role model because without, I mean, without my dad buff, I don't, I don't know what I'd be doing.
0: Probably nothing. Exactly. Good exactly and and that also relates to my mother Connie too uh that everybody you know you know and, takes of, and a, village, a lot of people on the show takes a village it's, it takes a village so you know on this note talking about our awesome fathers you know and I and I I, I had fights with my dad I hated my dad from time to time okay. for certain things but I love him more than anything he was a hard man and he made me tough yeah and he made me respectful I mean and that's the key I
1: I've I've dropped f-bombs on my dad he's done the same thing to me but the uh, because of that is also why I respected him. I mean, I, I could always get a honest to goodness, straight answer from my father, whether I liked it or not. Uh, sometimes I needed to hear things and he was always there to, uh, you know, not, not only quote unquote, keep it real, but to to make me better. Uh, and that's all he ever cared about. And I'm forever in his debt. And hopefully I can be half the father uh, to my son that my dad was to me.
0: Exactly. No, that's, that's cool. Very cool. Um, you know what? Very heartfelt. Let's end the show on that. Just I agree. No better way to right. go out. No better way to go out. God bless your dad. God bless my dad. God bless all fathers and mothers out there. Just please be the best you can be for your children. TJ, anything to tell our audience before we sign off?
1: No, that's it. Uh, I'd appreciate all the support uh, over on Patreon if people want to check out my uh, MMA shows that I do uh, pre- and post-fight coverage for every major mixed martial arts event taking place at uh, patreon.com forward slash uh, between rounds, also you can uh, watch me again this Friday night live on UFC Fight Pass uh, for Island Fights 58. Some exciting fighters uh, across a variety of weight classes, and I promise you, at some point, you'll see at least one, th- one or two of these uh, fighters inside the Ultimate Fighting Championship. So uh, you might as well, uh, you know, be the smartest guy in the room. Take a look at them now, so you can tell uh, all your buddies on fight night who they are, where they came from, and why they will win, or maybe why they won't.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Always a pleasure to see your your career getting bigger, expanding, and the whole bit over the years, TJ, with so much more oh, to come. It's, it's
1: a great little so run for me. I got three straight weeks of uh, Fight Pass appearances. I got Island Fights this week, uh, the next week after that, uh, Invicta FC, uh, and then the week after that, Combat Jiu-Jitsu World. So uh, I'll be Love living it. on Fight Pass for the next
0: month. Love it. And keep commenting that boxing because you never know who the commentator is going to be for Zufa Boxing. We'll see what happens if that goes up. Everybody, thank you for uh, tuning in. We really love and appreciate all our listeners worldwide. I love how you come up to me when I'm anywhere in the world doing shows. Also, too, thank you for your videos, your audio orders. We've been busy as heck doing a lot of business videos now, which we do do, but you need to send in the details of how you wish to order it, what it's going to be used for. And you will get info and fee quotes from that, from our office, from the wonderful, amazing this is Kristen Grubach, my vice president, my honor, she'll take care of you. Also, I am on Cameo. I have not mentioned that on the show before, but if oh, you go no, to Cameo, you have. You have. It's oh, I all right. have.
1: Yeah, because for whatever reason they don't like me, they don't <laughs> want to approve me. I,
0: I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna take care of you. I know exactly you to talk to, and we'll talk about that after the show. I just uh, set up John Anik, who's going to be on Cameo soon, and uh, Mike Hearn, Michael Hearn from last week. I'll get you all taken care of. We'll cover that. Everybody, go check out Cameo. I do these videos for personal usage. I'm not in a tuxedo. I had just had a record month on Cameo too with all the orders that came in. It's a great service, easy to use. A lot of your favorite celebrities are on there, I'm sure. Check out Cameo, happy to do it for you based upon your orders that come in. So, with that being said, treat everybody around you with respect. Treat people that you want to wait. Let's start that again because it's an important note. Treat everybody around you with respect. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Be a role model to your sphere of influence. Set your goals. Write them down. Learn about them. So when you step on that path of life to fulfill your dreams and your goals, you perform and be the best you can be. And that means you're winning. And that means you're a winner no matter what the results. So be the best. And thank you for joining in on the show. And I will talk to you all next week with my partner and co-host, TJ DeSantis. Buffer is out. It's time with Bruce Buffer is a TJ DeSantis production and is property of Buffer Enterprises Incorporated. Its content is intended for private use only.